Welcome to Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness with your hosts Chris Noble and Bill Perotsman. Today's episode, Chris and I are tired. We take you on an exploration of this new kind of tiredness, share reasons we feel the way we do, and offer ways we feed the tired parts of ourselves that may be useful for you, too. We finish the podcast with a new kind of guided meditation, one that results in a change in energy for both of us. We'll be talking about all that and much, much more, as always, in these open conversations here on Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness. Say that again. Let's do this. All right. So what I've been hearing through a lot of these mediums and intuitives, and it it does ring true, uh, which is why I'm mentioning it, is that there's a consciousness expansion happening on this planet that is so rapid and has not happened this quickly, maybe ever in in the entirety of human history. And, um, you know, we've talked about this on other podcasts where the ancients talk about the age of the Zodiac. It's a 25 and a half thousand 25,000 and a half year cycle. So a long cycle and it follows the wobble of the earth, right? With the earth uh, rotates on a axis, but the axis is not straight. It's on an yeah, angle. It, it does that sort of, exactly. you know, it's hard to just to show this in three, 2D, but I yeah. forget what the uh, angle is. And it's a, it's also a very important number that the angle of the axis is of course, but anyway, so it takes 20, roughly 26, just under 26,000 years for our earth to do a full rotation on this wobble. And that's where we get the cycles of the Zodiac. And I think each cycle or each Zodiac cycles roughly around two and a half thousand years. I think maybe three, I can't remember how that divides into, you know, 26,000. Um, so anyway, they talk about the rise and fall of consciousness during these cycles. And they say when, um, you know, we're on this, Let's think of it as a sine wave, right? And oh, you, yeah, like a, that beautiful you, curve. Yeah, you've got a wave. You've got a high uh, trough, as they say, or whatever, like a high apex point and then a low apex point, And then in the middle is like the line, right, of the sine, yeah. uh, the sine wave. So if you can imagine on the upside of the sine wave, that's where we live in a what we would call a golden age of consciousness. And they say that the consciousness is so at such a high frequency and it's such a love-based highly intelligent consciousness frequency in those golden ages that everyone on this planet is kind of on the level of a, a Buddha or a Jesus or you know Moses or whatever, like all these, you know, um, Mary Magdalene or, uh, you know, Isis and Osiris. Like we're talking the top of the top, you know, masters that we've heard about in history on a spiritual level. Everyone's kind of like that. So, I mean, we're, we're at a very, an almost unfathomable, level of consciousness when you're in the golden age. And this is maybe when the pyramids were built and this, these incredible structures that uh, still are, are exist to this day. Anyway, now uh, we're at what would be the bottom of that uh, sine oh, wave. Great. <laughs> but we are near the bottom, right? So, Well, we actually got out of the bottom in 2012. So when the, oh, cool. Mayan, when the Mayan calendar ended, the thing is that the Mayans weren't the only ones, the uh, ancient Chinese, Indian, uh, Native American, of course, a lot of indigenous tribes around the world all knew about this, interestingly enough. But the Mayans were the most um, famous, certainly, for predicting the end of the calendar, which people misinterpreted as the end of the world. Although not even that necessarily that incorrect of misinterpreting the apocalypse, because we were supposed to go through uh, a bout of solar uh, flares and things like that from our sun. And 
that would be devastating. We would definitely know it and it hasn't happened yet. And it's a, maybe um, behind schedule or something. But anyway, there's things that all come together here. And what I'm trying to say is that uh, we've moved out of the lower, this lower part of the curve, the sine wave, which we would call the iron age, which is the lowest level of consciousness. The, the Hopi uh, Native Americans in, I believe in Arizona and certain areas of the States, the US, one of the most old tribes um, to date uh, down there. And anyway, they talk about, um, they talk about how basically we've, now that we're moving out of this iron age, you know, we, we lived in 25% spirituality and 75% material. And when we're in the golden age, we're almost, almost like a hundred percent spiritual and almost non-physical in a sense. We've almost yeah, transcended yeah. the need to be fully physical. So when we're in that golden age, we're, we're maybe, let's say, 15% material, you know, uh, 85, wait. The balance whatever the dra shifts dramatically, <laughs> right? It does, yeah. You know, and so... And so right now we're, we're moving back into that. We're moving out of materialism and we're moving out of the idea that all that exists is this material reality, which we know is not the case. There's more. And we're now learning what that actually is. We're moving out of that back up into this golden age. So we're, we're getting into a higher level of consciousness. We're, we're moving into a place where we are awakening naturally. This is a natural phenomenon. However, I've heard that um, not just on a natural level, but on a perhaps guided level by who knows what forces beings etc are doing this but there is an acceleration of consciousness and supposedly you can almost imagine like this dial and normally the dial of consciousness clink clink goes really slowly over time over thousands of years and right now they're they're saying that we're on such an accelerated consciousness expansion and and, and growth that it's it's the fastest they've it's that's ever happened so we're expanding potentially back up into a golden age of consciousness many thousands of years ahead of time because of a whole bunch of different reasons that I honestly don't even really fully understand. What the point of all of this is, is that what a lot of us are experiencing right now, you could call ascension symptoms, um, symptoms of your consciousness expanding to such a higher frequency that we just don't, everything that we that we thought was our normal life is just completely crumbling in front of our eyes. And this could be in a very obvious material level, or this could be an internal emotional level. So things like time stops making sense. Well, because time is a linear construct of the material reality. And we both, we all know, especially through quantum mechanics, that time is actually not linear. Yeah. And when you move into a fifth density or a fifth dimension of reality, that idea of time starts to become more of like a sphere of possible timelines, present, uh, present, past, future, all kind of coexisting at once. So if time is, has started to make a lot less sense, that is one of the ascension symptoms because we are moving into this higher consciousness. If things like making plans and scheduling things are making way less sense and falling through and just that just not to the extent that it used to be where, or, or even the thought of making plans just doesn't feel right anymore in a weird way. You're like, I don't even know what I'm going to be doing next week or tomorrow for that matter, let alone planning six months in advance for whatever that may be. So plans don't make sense. Time doesn't make sense anymore. Um, internally, you feel like you're literally losing your mind sometimes. Like you just don't, nothing is, nothing makes sense. We're at a level of confusion almost. And, and 
um, a lot of the time too, like what we thought we wanted to do with our lives or this identity we would place on our lives of, oh, I'm going to change the world because I'm going to be the best musician and, and, and spreading the seed of consciousness through my music. And if the identities that we've, that have helped us feel comforted in the past of, oh, at least I'm doing something, you know, in my life, if those identities feel like they're crumbling and completely dissolving, that's another sign is, is, is that, and, and there's just a whole bunch of things, fatigue, fatigue on a level that we don't even understand because once again, I'm tired. I rested all weekend and yet I'm exhausted today. I'm like, I, I had a chill weekend. I didn't do anything. And I wasn't even that stressed. You know, there's nothing that makes sense as to why I'm so bloody tired, but it's because again, it's these Ascension symptoms. Like the, our frequency is getting cranked, 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 cranked up on almost feels like a daily basis. And, um, kind of like when you got, if you ever, if any of the listeners ever had braces, I, I grew up with braces. Yeah. Yeah. How that tension. And if each time you go in every other month or two and they crank the freaking your teeth and it hurts Yeah, <laughs> and it's just boom, trying to push them together and form them better and all that stuff. And it's almost like that's what's happening to our, our, our souls, our consciousness right now. And then that, and then that feeling and that what's going on there transcends into the physical in ways like massive fatigue, confusion, a ton of relationships are falling apart right now. Um, also being not uh, speaking your truth. It's now almost impossible to not speak your truth in situations that normally you would have been like, Oh, I'll just kind of keep this to myself. And, you know, I'm not going to really speak up too much here. Now it's at a point where I'm like, it's, I can almost feel it's coming out of me. I don't even, I can't even control it. <laughs> it's like, I have to speak my truth. I almost don't have a choice anymore. And this authenticity, you know, like just being your full authentic self used to be something that all the self-help gurus and spiritual gurus were like, that's what, that's how you have to be to be spiritual. Now it's like, that's just how I can't not be authentic anymore. It's not even, I'm not even trying. It's just happening. <laughs> like I don't even have control over these things anymore. So uh, it's just really fascinating that's just sparked when you said you're so tired. I'm like, oh yeah, damn it, Bill, me too. And I, it's crazy. And then I hear some of these people talking about these ascension symptoms, and I, you know, I don't know how much I, I believe in all of that, but there's a, there's a cord of truth in there that feels truthful. And to be honest, all this, the symptoms that they talk about are bang on, bang so, on. So, just so I put this all in context, so it's a twenty six thousand ish year cycle, from peak to trough and back to peak. Yes. Okay, so we're halfway. Yeah. But on the on the on the up. the short side of halfway. <laughs> Head yes. it up again. Head it up. Okay. Um and is this are, are the symptoms things that affect us whether or not we're aware of all this? Yes. So and awareness I, helps, right? It helps. Oh, and I think it affects the people who are ironically more spiritually awakened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the irony, of course, is that the, the ones that are doing all that hard work to improve themselves, to know themselves are getting pummeled harder than the people who are a bit more, you could say asleep or just a bit more in the third dimensional reality. And, and you know, things just like, you know, work and, uh, you know, you call normal stresses are just far more yeah. you know, entrenched in that, like that material um, reality, um, that, that matrix material reality, you could say it's the, it's the folks like us who are striving to understand more of ourselves to improve, to heal ourselves, all that stuff. We're the ones that are feeling it way more because we've opened up ourselves so much to receive more frequency, more information. That means we're also more sensitive. 
And therefore, these ascension symptoms are typically hitting the, it's hitting the healers, it's hitting the spiritual folk, uh, it's hitting, you know, just the people that the self-help, all the people that have just been trying to awaken themselves that much more, it's hitting them harder. But I, I would say that it's global. Uh, and I would say that it's every human is definitely, whether they're aware or not, are feeling it. For they're sure. feeling it. Yeah. It's yeah. at whatever your receptive level is for that. Like you and I are feeling this as tiredness, but I bet there's other people out there. I don't know, like Wim Hof and other people who are like really doing heavy, heavy, heavy dude lifting that feel this as excitement. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a really exciting change, you know? Um, and you know, the, I think the earth is rotating faster now. Uh, I believe our Schumann resonance, the frequency, the heartbeat of the planet has shifted a bit as well. Cool. Um, so our planet, it's like, it's not just humans, it's our planet is shifting and changing. And what we might call something like climate change might be a lot more complicated than we would call under just one little label of climate change. I think this is also, a, a, our planet is conscious. Our planet is a living organism. And just like we're living organisms and we're conscious and we're going through this ascension, why would it be any different for our planet? You know, I, I hear that this is actually a, a, a planetary area. What's the word I'm looking for? A solar system wide phenomenon. That's sure. Uh, you know, the solar system doesn't orbit in the same orbit forever and ever. You know, it's always yeah. shifting. It's always changing. Exactly. Uh, we're basically just falling in a very controlled direction. <laughs> flying you know, almost. Like yeah, just shooting. flying. Yeah, we're flying really quickly too. You're hurling through space on this planet. That's the funny thing too. We're Did flying. you see, and I don't know how this is related, but maybe it is, any photos of the satellite that they smashed into an asteroid last week? Recent, recent, oh no. It, yeah, yeah. That sounds interesting. It was, it's a test to see if we can shift the orbit of an asteroid enough so that if it were headed directly toward Earth, we could move it. Mm. And we, it'll take a while before they have the data on that, but um, it's like human beings' first attempt to interfere with, you know, a gravity, honestly, yeah. and to manipulate gravity in a way that helps to preserve human life on Earth. You know, theoretically, should that ever happen? Well, we pass through a major asteroid stream twice a year, uh, so it's actually highly likely. Um, Graham Hancock, a great researcher I follow, he, he, I watched him do a lecture at University of Toronto many years ago, and he showed us how the earth literally passes through, um, a cloud of, uh, yeah. debris essentially oh. twice a year, twice a year. So, you know, it's something to like be conscious of, not to be in living in fear of, but the fact that they're experimenting on how to avoid an asteroid hit is, is good is comforting. But here's a really crazy story I heard, um, from a really interesting rocket scientist. So there was a movie that came out when I was in high school or maybe even earlier. So this is maybe going back like 20 years or so, maybe more called October sky. Uh, yeah. Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Um, great. So Jake Gyllenhaal plays a, a character called David Adair. Uh, David Adair is a real person and is a rocket science prodigy genius who, you know, went to NASA and then a bunch of private um, aerospace institutions, et cetera. So I've watched him interview on the network called Gaia. And Gaia is fantastic for doing, you know, all the alternative content you could ever imagine that YouTube or anywhere else would probably censor or just not even produce at, 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 at all. So David Adair has so many stories. This guy, so the, the guy that we know from October Sky, this rocket science uh, genius was not just a rocket scientist genius. He was also in contact with extraterrestrials. 
He got a lot of his information from extraterrestrials. Um, he also was involved in tons and tons of secret government projects, Area 51, um, even the movie Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind that Steven Spielberg did. Um, there's a couple of scenes that David Adair and the people he worked with were literally consulting with Hollywood on and giving them some info. So this guy is deeply entrenched in some pretty incredible knowledge. And he tells a story of in 2012, July of 2012, which is when everyone thought that this, you know, apocalypse, all oh, this yeah. kind of stuff was going to happen. Well, they weren't exactly that far off. So there, this is, you can look at this up on NASA's website two years later. So the event was on 2012 in July. I forget the exact date in July. NASA publishes this in 2014, two years later. And basically it's a near miss uh, of a, I think it's a big comet and it misses the earth by not much because it passes between our moon and the earth. It was about 150,000 miles out. It was not, that is not far not when you're talking far. about space. That's very <laughs> close. That's close enough to even get pulled into our um, our gravitational pull. Didn't happen. Now, here's what, now that's the story from NASA, which is already incredible that we had such a near miss on just coincidentally what the yeah. Mayans thousands of years ago predicted as a, an apocalyptic end. Um, but they even didn't necessarily, like people interpreted it as a, an apocalypse, but the Mayans, I don't think ever really said that. They said it was the end of an age. Yeah. So you can you can interpret that a million different ways. And if you look at how our consciousness is shifting and this old world of how we used to live is dissolving, then that's a great definition of a new age. But yeah. So anyway, this this asteroid barely hit the planet. But from David Adair's standpoint, and I do take what he has to say with some certain of truth. Um, it's just one person. This is just his account, but it's interesting because he has access to a lot of information most of us don't. And so what he said was that this asteroid was actually dead on uh, going to collide with us. This was not a near miss. This was a, absolutely on point. And on Earth, a lot of officials, though, you know, were kind of freaking out at what to do. And they still have a lot of advanced technology. You know, the military is, honestly, it, it's probably at this point, there might even be a hundred years in advance of what we have today in tech in terms of what's secretly happening in the military. And I know publicly they say we're, they're at least 50 years ahead. So regardless, there's other technology that they could probably have used to avoid this situation. But regardless, they were scared and they were they were freaking out a bit. And so they're monitoring this uh, this this meteorite, let's say, or this comet. And it's it's heading right for Earth. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, it gets bumped. And then all of a sudden it's bumped and then it misses exactly how, like they said, it missed. And what David Adair's opinion was, was that that was some extraterrestrial help because there are there are some very wonderful beings out there who have apparently an invested interest in us and um, have some advanced technology and they bumped the asteroid just so it missed. And we didn't have a cataclysmic world ending event, which that would have been definitely with that size of asteroid. Absolutely. Extinction level for sure. So thank you extraterrestrials if indeed that was what happened. Um, but also so interesting that that was happening 2012, July of 2012, just like the Mayans um, at least hinted at. So I don't know where we were really going with that, but uh, <laughs> you know what? Actually, the one the one takeaway is that if we were supposed to have been wiped out, is that we're now on borrowed time. And this is the most beautiful thing is now we're in a place where we're on some borrowed time to be able to ascend and to actually allow ourselves to go into this golden age and not have to rebuild. Because an extinction level event might not be a full extinction. 12,500 years ago, the end of the last ice age, that wiped out 90 
93% of all life on this planet, all the megafauna, the woolly mammoths, saber-toothed tigers, and most of the human population. But enough of us survive. We're still here today. But we had to rebuild. And what we saw, we see is civilization starting, in my opinion, is civilization being rebuilt from a much earlier civilization. So instead of having to start off from scratch, which would have happened if we got wiped out in 2012, now we're actually in this almost like a golden opportunity to keep all the tech we have, advance all the tech, but of course, advance ourselves spiritually, consciously. And, and actually create a golden age and probably create it way, way sooner than another uh, 12,000 years to get to that golden age. Like we talked about the Zodiac processional cycle. Yeah. So why wait, you know, why wait? And I think we're actually in a really like this, this really could be like an absolute blessing, beautiful opportunity for us as much as we're exhausted. And honestly, I'm, I've just been feeling like crap a lot of these days, <laughs> emotionally speaking, but it's, but overall, I think we're in a beautiful, um, opportunity right now yeah i i really agree with you and you know i don't mind feeling tired to me tiredness says that i had there's some part of me that i need to care for yeah that i haven't been properly caring for and maybe it's mm. not physical rest maybe there's some other thing that i crave that i need that i need to sort of supply myself with to get back into it and hey let's bring it on i i have for a long time um stopped setting goals stopped mm. doing all the you know, bigger, better, faster stuff just turned away from all of that. Because if you think about it, all that stuff is what got us here. And here we are, you know, with a whole bunch of issues. I don't, I haven't sat down to figure this out, but I'm pretty sure I spend more than half my time feeding the algorithm mm. through various different kinds of activities. And some of them are business activities that I'm supposed to do, right? But a lot of them aren't. I mean, you can't read the news without feeding the algorithm, right? You can't mm -hmm. watch a YouTube video or listen to a podcast without feeding the algorithm. And um, then there's the posting and the sharing and the, you know, all the stuff that you have writing articles and making blog posts and content up the yeah, yeah. Who has time to, re to read all this content, consume all this content? I mean, I don't. not even my closest friends can consume all the content that I make. <laughs> and I don't feel bad if they don't, because I know that they're inundated like I am. <laughs> so, so uh, and, and, you know, even the devices we use to interact are physically demanding on us. They're taxing on the eyes, they're taxing on the brain. They, uh, you know, they interfere with vibrational stuff. So it's no wonder we're tired. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's a good point too, Bill. I mean, we don't have to get too much into this, but the amount of frequencies that are being emitted, like just even, oh. um, you know, like Bluetooth is 2.4 gigahertz and every, a lot of things are connected via Bluetooth. I, I'm always still, I love the convenience of the Bluetooth uh, earbuds. I do. I really yep. do. I, I absolutely. But think it's it, right there, man. <laughs> but it's right in my brain. Yeah. And that's 2.4 gigahertz, which we know, and there's enough studies and there's not enough of them, but there's, I mean, there's are, are some that definitely suggest that, uh, we don't know the long-term ramifications of these frequencies, just like Wi-Fi, 5G, and a million other things. Cellular that, radio frequencies. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we joked that cell phones cause cancer? Well, they, they do. And the radiation absolutely contributes to that. Uh, and compounded with all these other things. Now, are we going to get rid of this stuff? Of course not. But, you know, as we you know, ascend through these symptoms and, and actually do evolve as a species, we're going to have to address it and come up with... Um, 
a lot of different ways to live with all these frequencies. One positive thing I've heard is that as we are enhancing and increasing our vibration, as we do ascend our consciousness, it actually ironically makes it easier to live with all these harmful, more radioactive or not radioactive, but these more harmful yeah. EMFs, uh, yeah. these frequencies. Um, so that's maybe a positive, but it's something to be conscious of, right? Like, yeah, why am I so tired? And why, why do I have more energy when I'm out in nature, not in the big city? Exactly. Hmm. I actually saw somebody posting a study on that. It's like the study, you and I will laugh about this. The study found that going for a walk in the forest was beneficial to mental health. Wow. You know, <laughs> I wish I got money for doing studies like that. <laughs> The most no-brainer thing ever, but right. nice to have some science behind. Yeah, there's some least. science behind that. So of course I, you know, was I wasn't snarky, but I was jocular. Let's say uh, on the post, <laughs> you know, hey, now that we have science, you know, everybody can do this, and wow, you know, so at least we've got science support. But you know, it's so far beyond that, and I love the fact that so many people. Now I'm not just I'm, I don't want to diss science on this because science is sort of keeping our foundation good. But that foundation is elevating too. And if you still have beliefs that don't align with the science, you're in real trouble. If your beliefs are ahead of the science, <laughs> you know, <laughs> good, you're on the right side of the equation. But, uh, but this is a tough one for a lot of people. And it's not about faith. It's not about God. This isn't a God question. It's just about, you know, where's your focus? What, what's your focus on? Is your focus on trying to hold on to the old stuff? Or is your focus on being curious with the new stuff? And that's a huge difference. You know, I've found that the more I hang on to things, the more resistance I, the, the more I, tenacity, I guess, I bring to something, the tireder I am. Because there are times where I just can't hold on anymore. It's too late. You know, that stuff doesn't matter. It's gone. Like going down with the ship. <laughs> so letting go of that is such a relief. And Letting go of that, like we all like to do, to go away for vacation. It takes, what, three days to let go, and then you can start to sort of reset. Take those three, take those four days, you know, even if you only get a day extra on top of the three. But that's that's a fantastic opportunity. You know, I thought I was relaxing this weekend, too. And what do we do? We watched movies. You know, we went for a walk a couple of times. But, you know, I need to, I need to separate myself from the screen. No offense, man. I love talking to you. That's not the point here. But <laughs> if there was a way to do that that was more organic, it wouldn't like be real so life. tiring. Yeah, like in real life. It wouldn't be so tiring. And it's true. The, people talk all the time about Zoom fatigue, right? I mean, that's a yeah. real thing we're encountering. It's a real thing. And you know, I've been working on this book, so I'm like at the computer staring at it, trying to think at the same time. You know, And it's, it's like they work across purposes because just the energy that the phys the back the back energy that's keeping my eyes focused and my fingers going and the mind works and all of that you know is that's a lot of CPU cycles you know I need like an offboard processor <laughs> to handle all that are you saying that we're computers Bill no <laughs> <laughs> but we kind of are sometimes well, we're I, computational I but yeah <laughs> we're also in, I mean there's that pattern matching thing right but somewhere below the head. Other stuff kicks in that's really important. You know, what is that app that writes uh, content now? Jasper? Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it's an AI app, and you give it, you know, all the keywords you want and some of the topics and whatever, and it, it makes content for you. 
it takes no CPU cycles to do that. And yet we spend a lot of time cranking away, you know, just so we can add more content that's at a seventh grade reading level with the right keywords and short sentences and all the other stuff that they tell us we have to have. Yeah. Right. In order to be, in order to satisfy the algorithm. I've been reading this great book, Chris. You're going to love this. The book is called Wanting. And it's actually a business book. It's not a self-help book, but it's about why we do what we do and why we want what we want, how our desires work and stuff like that. And mm. it's all based on the theories of an amazing sort of philosopher, sociologist, anthropologist, I don't know, a guy named Rene Girard who died in like 97. So he's fairly recent. But the ideas of why we want what we want and how we evolve slowly and, and why that's so are so profound. But he told a story that I think is worth sharing here because it's about being tired. Uh, there's a famous French restaurant somewhere in the south of France up on a high plateau. It's two hours of anything. You have to drive and stay overnight if you want to have dinner there. It's that kind of a place. Yeah. It's too far away from anything to drive home. And it was started by a, a French chef back in the day, and his son eventually took it over. And on the day when the restaurant got its third Michelin star, you know, the father and the son working together, and the father was so proud, he turned it over to his son, and his son's going to carry on the legacy, you know. Well, when you get a Michelin star like that, the third one, you're basically underneath Michelin's thumbs. And people who you like make tires for a living tell you how you should run your restaurant in order to retain that rating. And this guy realized that doing that was killing him. He no longer could be creative. He, has, he spent all his time just sort of feeding the Michelin algorithm, mm. right? And the reason that the story is worth remembering is because this was the first guy ever who called up Michelin and said, I want out. Take me out of your directory. I no longer want to play. Wow. And, you know, it took about a year, but they eventually dropped him. But the calls started coming in. It's like, why are you doing this? What's going on? Tell me. And, and it was like, all of a sudden, he found himself the leader of a tribe of chefs who were overworked, trying to chase a goal that was mm. no longer theirs. You know, wow. their goal was in their art serving amazing food that's innovative to people who want to come and enjoy that in an atmosphere that's amazing and just all of that stuff. And Michelin head was sucking the life out of that. So he opted out and they let him out. And then eventually it took a few years, but eventually they just came back, right? And they put him back. <laughs> but he said, you know, if the inspectors come, whatever, he said, I'm not, I don't care. I don't care. Beautiful. I'm in this for me. I'm in this for great food done the way I want to do it with the ingredients that I want, serving the people that I love, you know, and it, and it got so much more authentic. And I love that shift, dude, because he shifted from wanting to chase the dream that everybody told him he should chase to wanting to be who it is that he wanted to be. Mm. And if that isn't a, if that isn't a symptom, right. Of this, of the shift of the change in consciousness of the, pointing up again toward mm -hmm. the golden age. I don't know what is. And uh, that's just out of the blue. I mean, somebody said, read this book, Bill. I'm like, okay, fine. And that story is what greeted me. And it just, it lights me up to just tell it because I feel like I'm in that place. I don't, you know, want somebody telling me, if you do this and this and this and this, and this you're going to be successful and retire, blah, 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 and that's all great. You know, do that, Bill. And it's like, no way. That just 
that just wears me out. <laughs> I, I, when I hear that stuff now, and I, I used to be so, so into this, especially when I had some of my older businesses in my twenties and uh, I was really into the entrepreneur life. Oh yeah, Nothing wrong with that, right? It's nothing wrong with it, but, right, but I can't, I look back at any of that content that I was consuming of like, okay, five easy steps to make your oh, yeah. YouTube channel a million dollar enterprise or whatever go. the heck, whatever the thing, the catchphrase was that always got me. I got so into it. I was like, okay, I, my calendar was so scheduled out. I had things like, what's my 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 one month plan, my my six month plan, my oh yeah, year your plan, posting schedule, your year plan. Blah, blah, blah. Oh my god, so much planning, so much stuff. All this stuff, it went, it led me pretty much nowhere. And if it did to lead to anything, I was strung out, exhausted. I didn't enjoy it anymore. That's for sure. It lost all of the passion, yeah. all of the creativity. And yeah, I became a slave to trying to attain something that I was being told was what I want versus what I actually want. Uh, and then sometimes these days, I'm like, I don't even know what I want anymore. Um, I might tell you on a, a much more basic level what I want, which is I just want to feel free. You know, I want adventure. Yeah. You know, love, of course, all that stuff. But if you're actually asking, like, what do you want? I'm like, you know, a Lamborghini. I'm like, even saying that, I'm like, I don't even think I'd want a Lamborghini. I'd probably maybe rent one for a couple of days, take it on a racetrack, which would be really fun. But to even own one, I'm like, I don't know. I've, uh, <laughs> so, you know, I'll just, like, I'll just tease this because there's a story about Lamborghini himself in that book. Oh, great. And he was one of the early pioneers who said no to some things. And I won't spoil the story for anybody who wants to read the book. But it's funny you should bring up Lamborghini and also not funny that you should bring up Lamborghini because he was also a pioneer in this turning the corner, you know, away from what the world calls success to what we know is successful. Yeah, that's such a big one, right? Like this, what we're told, like what I've been really, uh, when you talked about earlier, Bill, about letting go and man, that like surrender and letting go have been unintentionally the biggest themes I've been, I think that have been running my life in the last six months or so. And just the amount of stuff I've 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 just had to let go of, but then once I do, I mean, oh my God, just it's just such an easier way to navigate life and to yeah. not take things personally. Yeah. Uh, and so just letting go of this idea of success, letting go of what other people deem as successful. And wow, you know, does that ever not only shift what you actually want because you start to realize that a lot of what you thought you wanted was it's just not what you uh, it's wanted. Bullshit. It's not it's all BS. It's just, it's just Somebody else told me that I wanted this and I, I never really did. My teacher told me this is what made a successful person. You know, my parents said this is what we would love you to become or, you know, whatever the situation, right? And it's nice because now we're coming into a place where we honestly are asking ourselves, wait, what do I, what do I actually want? <laughs> I cannot wait. And this is another book. I cannot wait to tell the story of the pandemic which continues to get more and more interesting and intriguing for me. Totally. As it gets continually more scary because I'm so far away from what I'm supposed to be doing <laughs> that there's no conceivable like rational way that it could be successful. Mm. On the other hand, there's no other way I can do this. So if I'm a little tired from time to time, people just don't hate on me. <laughs> I think we all are. That's pretty. I'm spending a lot of energy moving in the direction that I want, as and at the same time, a lot of energy trying to hold back, you know, the water, the floodwaters that are coming after me. 
And it's, that's a, you got to be powerful in that place because it's yeah. really easy to be swamped and, and give in, you know, and do what the world says you should be doing. But if you can hold it off long enough, my bet is that this new way that we all are being pulled in is the best way. And that we are seeing the end of whatever the age of industrialism or in information, the, the neo whatever, neo enlightenment, whatever that stuff is that we're going to call it back in history, you know, hundreds of years when they find this podcast and they see me floundering about what to call that. Oh, well, that's what Bill was talking about, <laughs> you know, but, but why not? I mean, seriously. And I'd rather be tired for those reasons because I know I'm not tired for the other ones. <laughs> so no. I ain't been doing that yet. So I'm tired because I'm doing the new stuff and maybe I'm not doing it skillfully or, you know, maybe I'm not, I don't, whatever. May, there may be things I need to adjust that'll help give me energy in the, in the process. But one thing that I'm convinced about, and I know this is true because I've used your music for the same reason that you created it. So I know that the energy workers that are out there, whatever their creatives there are, are giving us content that does feed our souls, that does push us in the right direction. It doesn't tire us out. It doesn't wear us down. It's not, you know, the latest stupid movie that you saw and paid $14 to see at the Cinemax. You know, it, it's, it's, um, it's food. Mm. That's the way to say it, you know, it's, it's nutritional. Cool. It gets us there, and uh, and I'm minimizing my content of that other stuff. So if I'm tired these days, yeah, it's I'm tired, man. It, I'm worn out, but I feel like it's for a good purpose. If that makes sense, Chris. Totally, totally. You know, it's it's also because like the reason why we can't seem to go back to this way of well, if I just listen to what. The news tells me that the government tells me to do, or or my teachers, or these authority figures. If I just listen, it'll yeah, be my real so estate much license, easier. You know, I could. Uh, I'll get my CPA, my accounting thing, and I'll just nothing against accounting. Just you know, I'm just thinking of things that are so obviously not <laughs> me. Yeah. And uh, if I just do that, it'll be easier. I'll have the stability. I'll blah 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 blah. The reason that we we can't do that anymore is because. You know, it's this uh, idea of um, integrity that we we really can't. It's like I feel a physical, almost like almost like physically nauseous if I go back into an old way, yeah, an old pattern. Right. My body reacts. My yeah, body. Like, I don't goes, want that. Hell no. No way. Like hell no. It's not even like oh, I don't know about this. It's more like oh god no. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it. It's crazy. So. Actually, um, one thing that you made me think about on the side of things that are nutritional or are um, have that people are creating or discovering or rediscovering more likely that um, can really help us on so many different levels, whether it's emotional, mental, spiritual, or physical stresses, pains, all the things that we're moving through. Um, and I don't think we talked about this before, or at least not in super depth, but is the concept of, of earthing and grounding. And um, there's a great website everyone should check out called, I think it's just earthing.com, really basic. And there are a slew of really great products. I'm not, in th I'm not being paid to say any of this. I wish I was, but <laughs> um, I'm going to be ordering my kit soon. So I can't speak from personal experience, but the peer reviewed, there's uh, over, I think, 20 peer reviewed uh, scientific journals that do talk about the incredible benefits of earthing, grounding. And this is going to be sound really funny to a lot of you listeners 
And I know it will for you, Bill, because really the core concept is having your feet on the ground. <laughs> kind of like the study that was, you know, oh, walking in the forest is really good for your health. Like, well, no shit. <laughs> it's yeah. like, yeah. obviously, but but just having your bare feet on the ground is so, so, so therapeutic. You're absorbing these negative ions from the earth, from the living organism that we are a part of. And ever since the invention of the synthetic shoe back in like the 50s, we've officially disconnected ourselves from the earth, from a daily recharge. If you can think about us as like a, like a Tesla car, but we don't get charged. So we're kind of running on like 5% most of the time and breaking down. And this is because we're not fully charging ourselves back up. So knowing how we live in this modern age and sometimes with weather too you're not really wanting to go walk out in the winter with bare feet fair enough so what they've done is they've uh, figured out these ways to quite easily plug different mats devices um, usually it's like a mat yes. you can lay like lay on or yes. sit on oh, or little tiny little things you can attach onto certain pain points of your body and yeah. really get a high dose of these negative ions and you plug it into the damn wall. Yeah. And all that does is you got your, um, at least in North America here, we've got the three um, socket, you know, plugs, still old, uh, all the same AC current from Nikola Tesla. Thank you, sir. Um, and, uh, that, that third socket that's on the bottom, usually that's a grounding socket. And obviously the reason for that is so you don't blow up the house with electricity. It's a very important socket, but what does that really do? It sends the electric uh, circuit into the earth, into the Actually ground, into the earth. Yeah. literally, it's not just a concept called grounding. It's an actual physical thing going into the earth to ground so that you don't blow up the, the house basically and set on fire. Pretty important. Anyway, these devices are basically taking that just that grounding socket and extracting the the, the earth's negative ions and the energy from the earth um so on a spiritual level we all like a lot of people know that there is such an energy to this earth and there's um a lot more than just negative ions but on a scientific level what they've really been able to notice is the negative ions that helps alkaline your blood helps Actually, what it does is it can reduce inflammation in your body up to 75%. I mean, that's like that's not cool. huge. I mean, that's huge, right? And so they, they have amazing case studies where people with arthritis no longer have it. People with plantar fasciitis, which I have flat feet, we need orthotics to walk, uh, no longer need them. Uh, but then, of course, there's and so tons of physical benefits. People, I mean, like extreme examples, tumors, things, cancers, gone, you know, things like that. But then uh, sleep, insomnia gone after grounding for a couple of days straight, having these uh, sleeping mats, so on and so forth. I mean, emotional, deep, deep emotional pains and issues, not maybe gone, but certainly massively alleviated again by like 75% or something. Um, so check out for those listening, another solution. I mean, it's great for us to talk about all this stuff that we're moving through, but I also love to focus on like, well, what the hell can you do? right here, right now. And we've talked about lots of stuff, meditation, yoga, music, all these great things, but earthing, you know, yeah. go figure, plug yourself back into uh, good old mother earth and receive her beautiful healing yeah, <laughs> energies. Right, right in your, um, right in your body, right in your office, your home. I mean, this is, this plugs in to the electrical circuitry. So you can do this anywhere. That's the beauty of it. So you don't have to just go outside and take off your shoes, which I highly recommend because it's just feels so damn good. I go to the park usually every day and just take off my, the second I'm on the grass, take off my shoes. I'm like, just give me some reflexology and some, uh, some nice negative ions. And I always feel better no matter what, even if it's just like a 5% increase, 
I mean, who wouldn't want a nice little, even just a little 5% increase? Yeah, when like, you're, I'll take when you're it. running on empty, you know, 5% is a lot. A lot. It's a lot. Yeah, my, yeah. my particular physical type of being needs to have my feet in the sand. I literally have to go to the beach, you know, and walk on the sand. And when I can't do that frequently, I find that I'm less inspired, more tired, et cetera, et cetera, right? It's just a way of being able to rinse the accumulation of stuff by putting it back on the putting it back on the ground, literally putting it back on the ground, coming to ground. It's it's the best. I mean, like I've done it for years. I think lots of us, again, listening, probably can be like, yeah. I mean, I it does feel so good to walk through the sand. I'm lucky too, as well, being on the west coast here, to have the the sand, the ocean, and just walking by, um, you know, all of that, and just feeling great. But you don't think about, you know, why. And so on earthing.com, you can check out. They have a a short version and a long version of this documentary, uh, both really worthwhile watching. And uh, yeah, they pretty much exclusively interview just scientists and doctors. So you're getting Love nothing, it. nothing but the science, you know, and obviously some great case studies. And one of the lines that really stuck out to me was, and this is of course, just the wisdom of the, the beautiful, you know, first nations people that were here well before us um, on this continent. And of course, all around the world, I'm sure they shared the similar knowledge, which was, the earth is here to heal you, not to disconnect from because, oh, it, gr dirty and bugs are gross and yeah, it's cold. And like, I mean, yes, I've camped in some harsh conditions and I know Mother Nature can be very unforgiving and uh, I have a huge respect for her, but she's also extremely healing and we are part of the earth. We are creatures of this earth. So when we disconnect, we do get sick. And one of the, the founder of earthing.com and these products and stuff, and this is sort of the new, I guess the resurgence, resurgence of this, this research. Um, he was saying that when he was a kid, he would hang out with some of his friends who lived on a native reserve and he would go into the teepees of some of his friends, uh, families. And he remembers one point in particular, when one of the moms looks at him, she's like, take off your shoes. They'll make you sick. And he's just like, what? Take off my shoes. They'll make me sick. I, I, I've never heard that before. And here he comes like decades later and comes back into this knowledge of, of grounding and earthing. Yeah. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah, maybe our shoes do make us sick. And that's something I never would have thought logically. My shoes make me sick. Maybe my shoes hurt my feet, but, but not, not, not that they make me like, sick. If they're not leather. If they're a synthetic product, it separates us, you know, from contact. You know, the ancient shoes that used to exist. So I have a friend of mine, he runs marathons and he runs in these um, kind of recreated Olympian sandals from like ancient Greece. Oh my gosh. And I, I have a pair of those. Okay. So same manufacturer, but um, maybe though he bought it from, from old tires. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Cause I think his, I don't know what leather of some kind that the sole, like the actual shoe aspect of it and it's a sandal it's like yeah. a, one that that attaches like nicely to your feet but then where the the sort of straps from the sandal you know how they come into like the sole yep. the actual shoe component and then usually so there's that part that connects and then is on the bottom the the bottom part of the shoe is there's a piece of copper so it's made out of copper oh, nice so that part's copper and that's what it, that's what allows the connection plus i guess the material of the actual shoe itself is not synthetic so there's a whole bunch of things connecting him to the earth. So when he goes on his runs, he's always running in these sandals. And he's like, dude, it doesn't make sense. But like, I run way better, further, oh, yeah. more Got energy, 
I mean, these things, and it looks so primitive. <laughs> email me a link on those because I would love to put that in the show notes as well as all the other okay. stuff I've been collecting on our way through here. Well, because, on the Earthing uh, website, I don't know if they have the running versions, but they definitely have um, sandals, sandals that are okay. that are grounding for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm these ones are like really cool. Say, I I'm wondering right now, and you know, we can edit this later on. But what do you think about closing out this particular podcast episode with uh, guided meditation? Ooh, that's fan- that's a great idea, Bill. And I don't know if you, I, I'm just poking around in music here, but um, let's keep it under five minutes. How about okay. if we use Cloud Factory from your 432 CD? If, sure, sure. Uh, you, yeah. you want to lead it? I'll mute. And um, okay. So um, here's Cloud Factory, and uh, you know when it ends. So after it wraps, we'll just, we'll be out. (laughs) All right. So it's just under five minutes, and uh, you got good audio there? Yep. I can hear it. Sweet. its own rhythm let your thoughts go and be whatever they need to be just focus on the in then the out continue to breathe throughout this very quick meditation I won't guide anymore just focus on your breath We'll see you at the end.
There you have it. Yeah, that changed up my energy, man. <laughs> that did actually. You know, it's funny. I was like, this got a lot of rhythm to it for most meditation music. I find is usually, like, you know, atmospheric. And but then I'm like, it's really kind of fun to meditate to a more rhythmic piece of music. That was a uh, that was fun. No Thanks, mistakes. Though. No mistakes. Exactly. Only happy accidents. <laughs> I'll post a link so people can find the music on Spotify. And uh, gosh, man, thank you for this. Oh, right. Likewise, Bill. Thank you. Appreciate you know, it as always. Like It's such a great opportunity to explore some stuff. And I always find my energy has shifted after our conversations. And the music just sort of like amplified that. So <laughs> thank you in so many ways. Thank you, too. Thank you in so many ways. And um, I think uh, we should continue this meditation as uh, like each episode, just close it oh, off yeah. with a, it's a great idea. Great close idea. Close it off with a little guided meditation over music. Why not? And if you've got music you want us to use, drop it on us. We'll see if we can work it in, right? Absolutely. There's incredible yeah. music out there these days. I can't believe the creative like surge that's happening in the industry. It's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful. You're part of that. I'm part of that. Yeah. Good to be Happy here. to be part of it. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. I feel better too. I was feeling a little rough before this podcast recording. So those of you listening, if you're feeling rough, maybe just start a podcast with a good friend. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. <laughs> that'll work. <laughs> Make more content. Feed the algorithm. Feed it. <laughs> no, if it feeds you, then it's all good. It's all good. And it does. And thank you, Chris, because it does. Uh, thank you, Bill. You take care. And we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. See you soon. Aho. Aho. Thank you for listening in on our conversation and for taking time to show your appreciation with a like, share, or subscribe. Discussions of music, healing, and consciousness is a practice of spontaneity, and we welcome your comments, ideas, and questions. There are ways to connect with us in the show notes, so let us hear from you. Until next time, this is Bill Protzman along with Chris Noble wishing you great musical health. Samara Huchaya! Huchaya!